Hey everyone, welcome to the first ever Soundwriter podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Murphy, and today we're going to be doing a show for the week of May 9th, 2011. I'm here with three of my good friends, Tad Machida, Noah Martin, and Matt Turner. Uh, since this is the first show and listeners uh, may or may not know who you are, uh, I'm going to go around to each one of you and you can tell us uh, a little about yourself, your background on music, and uh, anything else that you want to say. So, Tad, I'll start with you. All right. Hey, guys, this is Tad, or I go by the DJ name DJ Ziltoid on UCLA Radio. I go on air with my co DJ, uh, DJ Ahab, every Saturday from 10 p.m. to 12 p.m. You can check it out on www.uclaradio.com. So check it out. And Noah? Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a DJ for WOBC Overland College Community Radio. Uh, I have a show every Sunday um, at, from 7 to 8 in the morning. I also sub uh, quite frequently for uh, other WOBC DJs. Um, and I also try to involve myself in uh, whatever music scene I happen to be in. So, yeah. All right, and Matt? Hi, um, I have worked at the Experience Music Project before, um, most notably on an exhibit featuring Nirvana and the Northwest punk and grunge scene from the late 80s and early 90s, and I'm currently a DJ assistant at the station KEXP in Seattle. All right, so we have, uh, have a great show planned for you today, and by that I mean not a whole lot has been planned out. We're kind of going to be talking about music, and that's really what we have on the schedule. We're going to go around and, and talk about what we've been listening to. So, uh, so Tad, I'm going to start with you. What have you been listening to lately? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of new releases. Um, for example, I just listened to the new Fleet Foxes album, which I thought was pretty solid. I also listened to uh, Odd Future's uh, Tyler, the Creator's new album, Goblin. I have a feeling we'll be talking a lot about that today. Yeah. Yes. Um, we should talk about that because that was. I was, I'm very conflicted on that album to say the least, and. Uh, yeah, I mean that 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 album is just kind of uh, was the big thing, for me recently, and any anything else? I guess I listened to some uh, new lit liturgy album, which I thought was. Very inconsistent. Some songs should never shouldn't have been on there, and some songs are pretty awesome. And yeah, that's about it. Well, I'm you had your that. show last night, right? What did you play? Yeah. Last oh night? yeah. Yes, I did have. I technically wasn't allowed to go at that time slot, but there's no sh- uh, show after uh, after in that time slot from 12 to 1. So I played. Ch- chillaxing music, like you know, relaxing, chill music. I played some uh, folk stuff, indie alternative stuff, like Band of Horses, Azure. Uh, I also played some Electronica, new book, uh, Blue Sky, Black Death, which was an awesome album. And yes, excellent album. Yes, it's it's an amazing album. Have you and... listened to that yet, Noah? I I know. Um, I know the, um, the Tad Matt. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I've, I've I've played some of that stuff on on my show uh, last week. Excellent, Excellent. 
we should talk about that because they're coming. Uh, they're going on a tour pretty uh, pretty soon, or are they already going on a tour? Uh, they're. I believe they're already on tour. I'm not sure how many dates they're going to be on the Cunning Linguist tour, but um, I mean, uh, I Matt and I in, in Seattle and um, and Tad in L.A. are going to be seeing them open for Cunning Linguist, Homeboy Sandman, and Tone Deaf, which should be an amazing show to say the least. Yes, it's gonna be pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I listened to your show last night, and I don't know if I'd call Flying Lotus relaxing, but there's definitely <laughs> there's definitely a lot of great stuff on there. Uh, I mean, Fantagram, Band of Horses, uh, Azure Ray, as you mentioned, uh, you played some New Jabes, and yes, uh, I did. And, and Ray's Obsession, which is one of my favorite uh, dark wave bands that no one seems to know about, so always great to hear them on the radio in any form they can get play <laughs> yeah uh, so, so i think we're going to be talking about uh goblin a little later and maybe some blue sky black death as well uh and hopefully fleet foxes i actually just listened to fleet foxes uh, and have a pretty pretty solid opinion on the album i think i think i have what i need to write the review so no i'm gonna go to you next what have you been listening to um well let's see Last night, uh, I DJed for uh, uh, a blues dance, so I I put together like um, a playlist of like a bunch of stuff that you can like, you know, blues dance to, which was a very different way of like, it's a very different way of listening to music, a very different way of judging music, um, you know, like I tried to put on artists that that I personally enjoy, but you know, you don't you don't always put like you know just your favorite song by the artist because it's not always the most danceable thing um you know so like for instance i, I the first song i had was was kind of linguists um and i just i just played like beautiful girl which has this really danceable beat it's a lot of fun to dance to um kind of upbeat you know even though it's yeah so um a song you know, about it, weed yes yes <laughs> a, a lot of a lot of my stuff was was uh, uh the lyrics weren't necessarily uh the the most <laughs> um, appropriate, but it was still dead. Like for instance, uh, the second to last song I had was um, "I Monsters Heaven," which is uh, a song about a sex doll, <laughs> like an inflatable sex doll. Very beautiful song. Very beautiful song. But yeah. Um. <laughs> um yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so the, I don't know. That that's kind of what I uh, a lot of kind of like vocal jazz. Um, Nina Simone. Um, okay. Fitzgerald. Um, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, and have you have you heard any new releases? You know, you said before you heard Blue Sky Black Death. Uh, uh, I listened to Goblin as well. Okay. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Blue Sky Black Death. Uh, what else did I listen to? Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, I listened to Atmosphere's new album. Um, okay. Which uh, I thought was was quite good. Um, definitely, definitely up to par with Atmosphere's work, I think. Um, yeah, and I I don't know. I that's another album uh, had, that I have pretty conflicting opinions about. Yeah, it yes. def- definitely had some filler. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the the whole entire metal part, like starting from maybe track five to maybe until the end, was I thought was kind of weak. 
Yeah, but I also thought it had some some of their like some really amazing songs. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. Definitely. The, the first, yeah, the first four tracks I felt like was an extremely solid and one of the atmosphere's best work, but I don't think it makes up for it with like some of the tracks in the middle. I mean, there are there are obvious fillers in there, as you said. Yeah, well, it also um, kind of loses the theme of the album a little bit. I mean, the theme uh, being family and some of the songs in the middle, like "She's Enough" and "Bad Bad Daddy," they just don't. They all they take away from really the the beautiful music that it starts out with and the beautiful right. theme that they have going throughout. And it certainly redeems itself at the end. I mean, I absolutely recommend that everyone go out and listen to it, but. Um, but I mean, I bought the album as a fan because I am a huge Atmosphere fan. And once I got done, you know, listening to it for, um, for the review process, like I go back and I, I skip, you know, uh, four or five songs on that album every time. And it definitely it takes away from the uh, cohesive experience of it. But it also is something that I think needs to be done because those songs are just really bad and don't have sustainability and. There's a lot of songs in there that do and are really powerful. It, so. it could have it could have been an EP, I think. Absolutely, and it's it's kind of it's kind <laughs> yeah. of interesting that Atmosphere you know releases so many EPs and you know they they come away with uh with some yeah. or they they really focus with their uh, studio albums a lot of the time. I mean, it's pretty rare to see them have a ton of filler. Yeah. Uh, so Matt, I'm gonna go to you now. What have you been listening to? Uh, well, as you three know, but as most of our soundwriters, listeners, and readers probably don't know, I've been on a big foreign hip-hop binge lately. I've been listening to a lot of French hip-hop, and um, honestly, not a whole lot outside of that. I mean, I've listened to some new releases, such as uh, Tyler's Goblin, which I thought was equal, equally incredible and equally very difficult to judge because there's some songs on it that I just don't know what to think of and some songs that I thought were amazing and I guess we'll talk about that later um I also listened to Blue Sky Black Death's Noir which is an incredible album I mean definitely on par with Late Night Cinema to me which was um frequently considered their magnum opus I guess um and yeah, I mean, that's about it. All right. Well, what kind of uh, foreign hip hop you've been listening to? I mean, uh, I mean, we know that that you're really into French hip hop. Um, I like MC Solar and I am. Um, you want, want to speak to to those groups at all, or to those those artists at all? Yeah. Um, French hip hop to me. Um, well, I've been learning French, so I mean, that's one reason why I initially got into it, but. I found out that even though I know some French and I can speak a little bit, um, it's still incredibly difficult for me to catch on what they're saying. So I mostly appreciate the flow of the French language while they're, you know, rapping. And I found that it's much more fluent than um, English than English uh, hip hop. So when they're flowing um, and the MC just keeps on going and going and going and going, it sounds incredible to me. Um, because the French language is really structured around flowing more than more so than English. Um, also, French DJs just blow me away. Um, most of the French DJs that 
most of the underground French DJs that I've discovered, um, such as, you know, um, Jimmy J, who did MC Solar's first couple albums, mm-hmm. and uh, DJ Chaos and uh, uh, Imhotep with I Am, and uh, whoever does the beats for Mafia Kun Free. Um, those DJs are just some of the best I've ever heard, and some of my favorite beats I've ever heard um, have come out of French hip hop. So, I mean, if for no other reason to listen to French hip hop, you know, listen to the beats, they're incredible. Yeah, um, and ab- absolutely. I have not explored French hip hop nearly as much as you have, and I know that Tad and Noah have even less experience with it than I do. Uh, but. It is definitely something I'd, I'd recommend, especially I am. I, you know, the album I listened to by them, which I can't pronounce, but uh, it's really their their famous one. Anytime you type in I am, uh, I am on the internet, you'll you'll find it. And we'll have links to all the stuff we're talking about, by the way. So if you're listening to it by some other means, uh, go to soundwriter.blogspot.com and you can see a list of what we're talking about with links to some of the songs and albums. Um, but but I am is definitely worth listening to, even if you're even if you have absolutely no knowledge of the French language like I do. Yeah, um, what I would highly recommend is that <laughs> said I am's uh, Le Col de Micro d'Argent is the uh, is the album name, and it translates into uh, School of the Silver Mic, and also pretty much all of the uh, offshoots um, that the members of I am have done um, with their solo work. Um, it's it's all incredible. I love it. All right. Well, uh, I've been listening to kind of the same stuff you guys have talked about as far as new releases. I mean, I'm obviously a huge Blue Sky Black Death fan and loved their their latest album. Sibo, um, who's one of my favorite people in music, a phenomenal producer from Brooklyn, New York, uh, released already a masterful album called Echoes Bond in January, and she released uh, a new kind of I don't really know what you call it. It's not kind of a, a B-sides album or an album of just just kind of some some stuff that she's done recently uh, called Secret Omissions. I'm not sure if you can still get it from her website, but uh, check it out on DJSibo.com if you can. It's a, a very good album uh, from a producer that really deserves a lot more recognition. It does. I, it does yeah. kind of feel like a B-sides album, even though she didn't really advertise it as that. Regardless, it's still incredible. And yeah. she also released a collaboration with somebody um, in the past es- week. Oh, yeah. Esper Fiction. Right, yeah. right. Which I need to listen to that. Um, I, I've i heard one song from it, and, and I liked it a lot. Uh, so that's something I definitely need to get on. Uh, I've been listening to uh, a lot of a lot of Goblin. I've been listening to... Um, or for, and part of the reason I've been listening to Goblin is simply because... Uh, I I want to do a full review of it, and it's so hard to review. It's it is a it is a difficult album in so many ways, and I've listened to it I want to say seven or eight times now, and I feel like I have a I have a score. I feel like I have the score I want, and uh, I have enough to write probably a twenty page review. So I definitely need to. Uh, I definitely need to pick and choose what I want to say with that, but there's so much to it. Uh, and, and when I first listened to it, I wasn't sure whether I was actually going to buy it or not, and I've decided I definitely am going to buy it. And this is after listening to it seven or eight times that I still feel like uh, like I, I want to go back and listen to it more uh, as a fan. So, 
do you guys yeah do you guys want to talk about uh future like what what kind of makes them stand out and all that yeah i mean like, we might might as well get into that now um because i'm not i'm not particularly sure if i even understand it really but yeah so yeah go ahead yeah, well, Tad um, lives in L.A., and you were telling me that Odd Future is pretty much the biggest thing there right now. Yeah, I mean, as in, uh, in terms of buzz band or, like, buzz group right now, at least in L.A., um, Odd Future is the thing. And as far as the uh, people who's even into this whole entire music scene, they know who Odd Future is, and at least in L.A. And their newest release... Well, Ali, no, it's not their newest release. It's Tyler, the creator, the leader of uh, the All Futures release. Um, I know a lot of people listen to it. And, well, you know, it's, it has, still hasn't been released, but uh, it, got, it got leaked on YouTube. And I talked to a couple people here, and they pretty much have the same opinion as I do. Uh, they really love the, uh, the, the really sinister, creepy sound that it has. But like there are a couple of tracks um, on there. It's like you know, like prime example being Fish and the two tracks that follows that that just um, kind of ruins the album for them. And you know, as far as my opinion, I think it's it was like it felt like when I first listened to Dark Throne. It's like I listened to it. It was so like different. But like it's so passionate, and it's like it has this um, what do you call atmosphere to it that was so like dark, dark and, and creepy. Yeah, creepy and evil. It, yeah, evil. Evil is a great way to say it. It just it was it just kind of gave me a chills, and I wasn't even sure on my first lesson whether I could just finish the album list because it gave me this like weirdest feeling ever. But, you know, what did you guys think about it? Well, uh, I, you know, the first time I listened to that, uh, I posted uh, that I have never been so conflicted on an album before. Like, I, I listened to it, and there were certain things about it, certain songs I absolutely loved. I loved the creepy atmosphere. I was, um, I was, you know... As, as scared as I've been listening to an album and not and not because of the lyrics odd future get um, a lot of publicity from their lyrics they're very hardcore very very shock value-ish I mean they have lyrics about rape and murder and um, anti-religion and all of these things uh, but that's not really what was creepy to me what was creepy and what made the album was the beats the, um, uh, the beats and the story there's a, a story where tyler uh and and uh a therapist are are talking and so some of the songs that have that just go back and forth in a really unique and really amazing way i mean it's it's so polished uh but at the same time there were certain songs like like tad mentioned fish and there's another song called bitch suck dick uh that i mean they they serve a purpose on the album. They advance the story and they make it where the amazing ending uh, can can kind of sneak up on you. But at the same time, it's really hard to listen to. It's about fifteen minutes of the album that are just atrocious. Yeah. And it's more like yeah, it's more like ten minutes. Well, uh, bitch, bitch, suck, dick, but well, analog but, is in the middle of there, and I would oh, include yeah, that right. in there. 
Um, and then, you know, the first part of Window was pretty bad. I mean, the other people who rap on it. and But at that, at that point, I think that song is redeemed because Tyler uh, is absolutely incredible. Yeah. In the second half. I mean, he has about a four-minute verse. Yeah, Tyler's, Tyler's vocal performance, I think. I mean, I don't... You probably know if there's something similar or like it, but I've never heard anything quite like his vocal performance on, on this album. Um it's it's very deep and dark and uh it's it's kind of slow rapping but his flow is is very very polished and nice yeah yeah it reminds me a lot of, of if like the, the if the song kim by eminem was stretched to a full album like just just the the multiple voices the sinister evil sound to it uh and and yeah, I mean, his his flow on that album is insane in its own way. It is, in a lot of ways, very simple, but it's also really unique, and it's really engaging. Uh, you can understand everything he's saying, and sometimes you don't necessarily want to understand everything he's saying. Uh, he's a... It's it's very uh, off-putting in a lot of ways, but it also rewards further listens, and again, the first time I listened to it, I was very conflicted about it, and the more I listen to it, the more I, I really realize that even with its flaws, it's such a great album. And it tries uh, to do a lot, and it achieves so much of what it tries that uh, I, I, have to, I have to recommend it. I mean, there is no way I could give this album a negative review. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. I only listened to it once, and um, I didn't really think it was that great. Like, I... I I guess I was I was I might have been looking for the wrong thing. Like I don't know. The first time I ever heard Odd Future was like that that YouTube video of like them on I think it was Jimmy Fallon or something like that. Yeah, I think a lot yeah. of people are in the same. same yeah, position. a lot of people a lot of people were really impressed by that. And like I I didn't even then I didn't really understand what the big deal was really. Like I I don't know. Like it was it was just like okay you know hardcore rap group on Jimmy Fallon. Like I I don't know. I guess I just don't get it. Um, but it's just, it's, um, and then yeah, when I went to go listen to their album, it was kind of like, um, yeah, the lyrics to me aren't aren't really particular, don't really particularly stand out as like as far as like hardcore hip hop goes. And like that, I thought that the the coolest part about the album was the exchange, um, you know, which is noticeable from the first song um, between him and like the therapist and that. That was that was really cool. It was very Eminem. It was very like you know. Um, and it was done, and that was done really well, and that's that's what gives me hope about the 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 group in the future, maybe. But um, I wasn't particularly. I thought the the beats were kind of. Uh, um, they kind of felt samey throughout the album. Yeah, they they after a while they just to me they they sounded a little bit artificial and a little bit like. Yeah, I I don't know. It was it was it was it was hard to keep my interest, and um, uh, I wasn't like particularly impressed by the flow of a lot of the members um there wasn't just a whole lot of it that stood out to me other than other than the concept and so i don't know it just to me it wasn't it wasn't perfectly executed at all and um you know th there were almost too many flaws for me to personally enjoy it but it does but at the same time i think they they have they have some ideas and it's it's really interesting to see where they go from here so you know I wouldn't call them a hardcore rap group. I mean, I don't know. I quite honestly, I don't know what to call them. They're, they're different. I mean, it's they're not very hardcore. They definitely have that shock value to them. They're, 
they kind of count as alternative hip-hop, I guess. But, like, what I found amazing about this album is that, you know, like, the, the subject matter, which is about um, Tyler himself having this, you know, become, starting to gain his fame, and he's kind of going crazy, and his, like, newfound game, you know, fame is, like, kind of, like, distracting from, like, something that really matters in, matters in his personal life. You know, that subject matter is not very unique in the hip-hop genre itself. I mean, a bunch of artists have done that, but, like, Tyler does it in a totally different way. I mean, when, yeah, when, like, for example, Eminem would be, like, a really good example of this. I mean, Eminem, like, all he raps about is how his, like, you know, his rap career is kind of a... You okay there, Matt? Yeah, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, all right, it's fine. I mean, like, Eminem, for example, like... All he talks about is how his, like, you know, career is kind of ruining his life and, like, uh, you know, he kind of wants to be himself and he he wants to kind of get himself away, away from that whole hip-hop career and fame that he has. But, you know, and throughout that, what the listeners feel is the sympathy for Eminem. But, like, in the case of Tyler, he's rapping about the same subject matter, but you totally don't feel sympath- sympathetic for this guy at all i mean you get so creeped out by this guy that it's like like you know you feel so alienated and like tyler's in his own like this mystical weird world that like i feel like i'm left like completely left behind in the whole entire album and that was like a new experience for me at least yeah, and I think that's one of the few albums where you can really list that as a positive. I mean, he executes it so well, and that's also clearly an intent of the album. I mean, Tyler talks a lot about how uh, he um, makes the music for himself. And you can clearly see throughout the album that, I mean, it is just some some you know teenagers having fun. A lot of times, that's really what it boils down to, but they're also very talented, very creative. And to me, the album was executed quite well. Uh, Again, I've listened to it about seven or eight times now, and the more I listen to it, the more I really love it. Uh, and, and as far as going back to what Noah said, the big thing with their Jimmy Fallon performance was the energy, that you don't see that kind of energy in hip-hop now and, and that kind of youthful exuberance of where, of where you have guys that are just clearly loving what they're doing. I mean, okay, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, the, okay, yeah. I mean, granted, I felt like... Listening to the whole entire album, I felt like their live performance was way better than their studio performance. I mean, I couldn't feel that same energy and passion well, from I think uh, that's the studio a, album. I think that's intentional. You know, I mean, I, I think they, they give you this clear, they do what a lot of really good live bands do. They give you this clear idea of what the music is and what, you know, what they say in the songs and what's going on. And then, and then when they perform it live, it's about performing it live, not about playing the music, you know. So... I mean, I, I, I get that. That's Yeah, and I definitely felt the same passion, or a different type of passion, but an equally uh, great passion from, from the album. Uh, definitely not the energy, but as Noah said, it, that's definitely intentional. Um, and, and I also feel like I mean, he dresses some of the internet fans and some of, some of the memes they've created in the album, and I feel like the internet that has kind of embraced them as, as a, a way of getting memes... Uh, is probably going to be disappointed by this because it is a very serious album in a lot of ways, and it's a very good and very challenging album in a lot of ways. Just a fun note. Um, according to Amazon, mm-hmm. um, 62% of people who pre-ordered Goblin 
also pre-ordered Fleet Foxes' new album, which I, I have no idea how they make the connection, you know? Yeah, both are, are hyped uh, indie bands. I mean, the scene that Odd Future <laughs> is getting big in is, the, is that Pitchfork indie scene, even though yeah. they diss pitch, Pitchfork on the album. Part of, yeah, part of my confusion around Odd Future is how popular they are for, you know, the, the kind of content that they address and you know their lyrics and their their style it doesn't none of it gives it none of it lends itself to a mainstream audience and yet they're so popular everywhere you go no it's not the least bit accessible but that's part of what i love about their popularity that it's something different that's really getting big and i'll i'll have my full review of goblin coming out this week uh it, re- it releases uh, on May 10th, this Tuesday. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift gears because there are a lot of other albums to talk about. Uh, last week, we had a couple big releases. We mentioned Fleet Foxes before, but has anyone here listened to uh, Hot Sauce Committee Part 2 by the Beastie Boys? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> All right, well, I have, uh, and I really enjoy it. Um, I think I think it's there. A lot of people were disappointed by Two of the Five Burrows, which was their last, you know, hip hop album because it was very serious. Uh, and this sounds like, you know, a far less serious album, but not a forced one. It seems like they they really are having fun, getting back to the basics. And there are some beats on there that are unlike anything I've heard. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's reminiscent of Paul's Boutique, which a lot of people think is their best album, certainly their most fun album. And uh, it goes it goes back to that in a lot of ways, in that they're kind of they're they're going back to the to the old school kind of hip hop funk hybrid that just has a a very entertaining atmosphere about it and a very creative one. Um, I mean, there's there's certainly some songs in Hot Sauce Committee Part Two that I'm not a fan of, but I mean, you listen to the opening track and, and the single called "Make Some Noise." That to me is going to be uh, is is one of my favorite tracks so far this year. I absolutely love it and have been playing a ton of it. Yeah, man, I haven't I haven't followed the Beastie Boys at all. Like, I, I mean, uh, yeah, all I know from of them is like stuff from the '80s, you know. Like, and I think a lot of people are probably like that. And um, uh, it, I mean, it's it's, um, but yeah, they're they're a group that's still together and they're still releasing quality music. Um, uh, didn't they release like a jazz album? What was that? Yeah, they released an an (laughs) instrumental kind of funk jazz hybrid called the Mix Up that was really cool on first listen, and then it doesn't really have a lot of play. It, it, I didn't really have any interest in going back to it after that, and when I did, I didn't enjoy it as much. So, so they've experimented with the. You think that this this album they're going sort of just back to basics, back to sort of what they were doing in the '80s. But, I mean, what I mean by is it is it what they were doing in the eighties or have they you know? Uh, it's it's the same it's the same type of of experimentation that they were doing in the eighties. It's not you know a throwback album like right. if this album had come out in the eighties like there there would be you know sounds that no one had ever heard before. I mean it's it's yeah. very it's very clearly an album you know released in two thousand eleven, but it's that same type of, of 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 just fun release like it's not serious. It's it's just all about you know um, just just having fun and cool. partying and doing you know the um, uh, the kind of just 
I don't know what you call it other than just cool or dope or, you know, the, the kind of pure hip-hop that... It's what people listen to the Beastie Boys for, you know? Exactly. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it is the white man's hip-hop, if you will. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of what they... That's kind of how they became famous. And the people who listen to them for that reason are going to go back to Hot Sauce Committee Part 2 and are going to find kind of the continuation of, of really where they left off with Hello Nasty in the late 90s. Cool. So yeah, definitely check check that out, uh, three of you and everyone listening at home. Uh, the other one uh, that came out on uh, May third was Helplessness Blues by Fleet Foxes. Uh, Tad, you said before that you listened to that. Uh, would you like to start us off? Mm, yeah, I don't have a lot to say except for the fact that well, it wasn't as good as their uh, first album, um, but it was still solid. And I am enraged at them for charging 40 bucks to go see them live in L.A., and I couldn't get it. Well, they're big enough to do that. I'm not going to pay 40 bucks to go see Fleet Foxes. I'm sorry. Well, then you're not going to see Fleet Foxes. Because there are a lot of people who will pay 40 bucks to see them. It's it's incredible how fast the ticket sold out here. It It was sold out in, like, a matter of weeks. And I did not expect that from Fleet Foxes. And he, they have two dates. They're going to spend two days in L.A. And all of them mm-hmm. sold out. Well, you know, Helplessness Blues is predicted to uh, debut at number one on the Billboard charts this week. Really? Yeah. They've, they've well, gotten huge. Yeah, yeah huge. I mean, yes. Well, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm happy for them. But um, hopefully they don't go in the direction of like a lot of folk artists like um, Iron Wine or something. Yeah, and I I agree with that. Um, and I I'd also agree with what you said that their first album was better. Their first album uh, was really a breath of fresh air in indie music. This one is uh, a little more mellow. It doesn't doesn't quite have the variety that the first one has, but it's also a very enjoyable listen. It's a very peaceful listen and uh, one that that should you know continue their their rise in popularity i mean it's a very accessible album that's also very well done i mean you look at some of the other uh indie folk groups out there and fleet foxes are leagues ahead of them in a lot of ways yeah it's um you know i was when when fleet foxes became really big i was i was one of the more skeptical people i think i I kind of um i enjoyed i enjoyed their music and i still enjoy their music um i still listen to them regularly but I, I I didn't um, I didn't view them as like uh, groundbreaking in the way that a lot of people seemed to and um, I think this album uh, sort of reinforced that for me um, it it's it's um, there there are a couple of uh, what was there was one song that really stood out to me on this album um, I can't remember what it was called but like yeah for the most part it there was a little bit less diversity it was um, I think better produced, um, which almost takes away a little bit of the um, sort of uh, 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 not not appeal, but but um, I don't know. It made it made it. The I mean, Seattle sound. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's just um, so you know I I don't I don't know. It was it was basically the kind of album that I I kind of expected from them, but um, that doesn't that's not a bad thing by any means. It's you know they're they're definitely. Um, uh, within the 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 kinds of groups that do what they do, like they they're they're one of the best still, you know, and they I think they'll continue to be one of the best. Um, 
one of the most enjoyable uh, bands to listen to. Absolutely. And Matt, do you have anything to add? Um, no, I haven't listened to the album. Yeah, well, you were a but, fan of the Fleet Foxes' first album, right? Oh yeah, I I love the I love the first album quite a bit. Um, is there anything on this album that um, would surprise me, or is it you know pretty much what I would expect from it? I think it'll be pretty much what you expect, but yeah. Uh, also, I mean, it's more Fleet Foxes, so what you expect isn't necessarily yeah. a bad thing. No, 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 no. It's yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's. I think it's um, kind of a pretty definitive, like, safe sophomore album. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is very safe. I hope they do expand a little bit for their third album. But for what it is, uh, I'm giving this album a three, by the way. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Okay. Yeah, I, I figured <laughs> that based on what we've been saying. Uh, it is, it is to me, uh, the epitome of, of a three. It's a solid, enjoyable album that I recommend. Um. So those those were kind of the the releases that I've heard um, from um, from uh, May third. I'm gonna pull up a list here and see if there's any more. Um, a lot of the a lot of the albums that I have written down are ones I may or may not get to. Um, a lot of the a lot of the albums I review on Soundwriter kind of start out with the stuff that I'm looking forward to. Uh, or, or bands that sound interesting to me, but I also keep track of a lot of other releases, uh, and if I have time, I go back to those. Um, so, looking at that, uh, the other the other one um, I listened to from uh, Five Three, uh, um, I was the new Dredge album. I, I have not listened to the new Dredge album. I, know, I only uh, just got into Dredge like recently. Yeah, we were talking. About that. That's <laughs> weird. Like, they're, yeah, they're like, pretty I, famous prog. I know. I, I can't believe I never like. I just yeah. I never listened to them, and and yeah, it's shocking. Cause, yeah, I don't um, actually I know Dredge. They're they're kind of a, a very poppy, accessible, uh, progressive group. It's like like I would um, would say that they they remind me a lot of kind of Portugal the Man or Arx Bandits in their in their kind of accessible but yet experimental nature. Chuckles and Mr. Squeezy is the name of the album. Yes. Um, (laughs) Listening to that later tonight. Wow. Okay. Well, (laughs) do you like my opinion on it? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Give us, give us your opinion. Okay. I hate this album. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I hate it. Uh, um, and I like Dredge. I thought their last album was outstanding. Yeah, it was awesome. This album is bad. It is experimental in a lot of ways, and Grant's I've only listened to it once. I'm not going to write a review, you know, based on one listen of this. But it's basically an album that is just so... I don't even know how to describe it. It's so weird and poppy, but yet it's not, you know, mainstream or anything. It's it's just a... It's, it's an album that almost sounds like a joke in a lot of ways, and you can tell kind of by the name that maybe it is. But it's... Uh, it's it's an album that goes against really what Dredge is good at. Yeah. Um, and I don't have my notes with me on it, but I mean it's getting a lot of a lot of hate on the internet. And I actually looked it up after listening to it to see if I was the only person who, on first listen, really despised it. And I'm definitely not the only one. That's a um, shame. Yeah. Uh, they did say that this that this album was was an experiment and it's not going to dictate their their further um, their right. sound in the future, which obviously I'm very thankful for. Uh, 
But yeah, it was not progressive at all. There is no influence of progressive rock on this album at all. Um, it is very poppy. Um, there were like electronic elements on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll be listening to it later tonight, I think. And um, yeah, that's that's a shame because yeah, they're definitely they're a band that um, I only recently got into that um, I really enjoyed a lot of their stuff. Um, you know, what was it? The, the Pariah, the Parrot, yeah, the Delusion was their last album, which was good. Um, El Cielo is a classic. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so hopefully next week uh, we can go and, and talk about that a little more. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, there are some of the other releases. Uh, Ulver has a new album. Uh, I have not listened to that yet, but I definitely will. Wait, um, Ulver has a new album? Yep, War of the Roses. Oh, okay. Huh, I didn't know about that. I should check that out. Yeah, uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of Ulver. I know Tad is as well, obviously. Uh, there's an album I've written down... Oh, my- um, uh, called "By the Hands of the Devil" by Satan's Host. That I'm probably <laughs> oh, going to yes, listen yes. to simply for that. Yes, it's it's Alfred Morgan's record, and they're a very prominent black metal thrash label. So you, yeah. As far as Satan's Host goes, I only listened to their like first release, and I like that, but I haven't listened to anything else. Okay. Um... Yeah, I know absolutely nothing about him. Tad is definitely the the expert black metal uh, fan here. I I do review some black metal and I like some of it, but again, I just saw the name. Um, Amazon actually has it to pre-order. Really? If you're, if you're so inclined to do so. Uh, so I found that and decided to write it down. Uh, that's something I'll get to um, from a couple weeks ago since we didn't do a podcast for that. We talked about Sibo and um, I know we all have very different opinions on explosions in the sky. Um, has anyone else heard uh, Take Care, Take Care, Take Care? When was that released? Uh, April 26th. I okay. I, wow, no, I have not listened. I didn't know they had released a new album. <laughs> yeah. Me neither, but I'm not particularly interested in it. Yeah, yeah I don't unfortunately, say that. They are unfortunately, my yeah, I'm not fans. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of them. Um, they're kind of a post rock band that has a lot of sentimental value for me. I definitely can understand the the major complaints from them. Uh, but this album is not is not samey like you would expect. It's uh it's it has a little more variety to it. Well, that's a surprise. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I I didn't I don't feel like they're they're as samey as people say. I think the last album they did certainly kind of felt like it was getting into a groove, but I definitely feel like uh, this is not a cold, dead place. And, uh, you know, some of the albums they did before that were different enough from other post-rock. I don't know. You know, when when I was first getting into post-rock, they they were one of the first bands that I really, you know, got into and identified with post-rock. And then I started listening to other um, bands in the genre and they just kind of fell behind for me. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but their sound just never felt very fresh to me after I dug a little bit deeper into the genre. 
Yeah, and I, I have dug deeper into the genre as well, and I can understand that. I still feel like they're, there's a reason they're one of the biggest. I mean, they're they're more accessible than a lot of other post-rock, but they also are... The, to, me, to me, they kind of nail the, the basic sound, the basic, just beautiful uh, soundscape that post-rock has. I feel like they're still, still at the basic level of post-rock. They're the best at, at doing that. They may, they're certainly not the most experimental or the most varied band in the genre, but as far as that simple post-rock uh basics they they to me nail that yeah you know i I can probably give you that but um i guess that's just not what i'm really interested in when i listen to post-rock yeah i can understand that uh i have a i have a review of that album written that should be coming up in the next few days um looking at looking at the releases for next week uh new album by hate eternal which i'm sure it's gonna I'm sure, Tad, I'm sure Tad is the only one here who knows what yeah. it is, but uh, Hate Eternal is a, a band by some former members of Morbid Angel. Okay. And when you say that uh, to death metal fans out there, that probably sounds really awesome, and they're not quite as awesome as what you would think. <laughs> but they are still yeah. they are still a solid band. Yes, they're. Just um, listen to it, and I don't I don't know what to say. They're. Well, it's it's very predictable death metal most of the time. Yeah. Obviously, I haven't listened to this album. It's called Phoenix Amongst the Ashes, but I will. And maybe everything that I'm saying about them here is going to be completely uh, is, is going to be the complete opposite. But I mean, there's a lot more exciting uh, releases from the whole entire, you know, the, for next week. I mean, Forgotten Tomb is coming out with a new album next week. And uh, and also Anvil, if you listen to them, I mean, I guess they're really... Yeah, they're coming An- out with... Anvil is releasing a new album. Uh, the Cars are releasing a new album that I'm not going to listen to. Yeah, and also um, Clutch is... Uh, oh, wait, yeah, Clutch is doing a re-release of some of their uh, albums. Let's see. Um, I'm... Oh, yeah, Korn is uh, releasing their best of album. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was really waiting for that. Doesn't Corn already have a best of album? Yeah, I would think that they would. I mean, I I, I remember that because they had a Pink Floyd cover on it that was really bad. <laughs> okay, so the Legacy Record is releasing the Essential of Corn. Okay, like, we're yeah. we're not going to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do. I have reviewed other Corn albums. I think their first couple albums, objectively, are very important to kind of alternative, alternative hard rock. Um, and say what you will about that, I don't think they're a good band. They're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, so uh, the other album that uh, that that um we talked about a little bit before that I kind of like to go more in depth on is uh Blue Sky Black Death uh War. Yes. I've been listening to that album quite a bit over the past few days. Yes, yeah, so uh, I have a pretty uh solid opinion on that album. It's incredible. It's my yes, favorite it's... Blue Sky Black Death album. The same. I think, yeah, I think I, it's my favorite too. I think it topped that uh, late night cinema for me too. It's it was hard but yeah, I think it did it's, it. It's, it, it. Yeah, it followed late night cinema and just like basically, I, I don't know. It, it went that. It just continued in that amazing direction they were going, and I think they nailed it. And f- for those of you who don't know, Black Sky Black Death is they're an, an instrumental hip hop group. Uh, sometimes they cross over into trip hop territory, 
uh, and they they also released uh, an album last year that we have very conflicting opinions on that we're not going to get into today uh, called Third Party. That was basically in, in just an indie electronic record, but Noir is is clearly back to the instrumental hip hop trip hop sound, and that's and that's where they belong. Yeah, to me, that's that's where they really shine. Um, I'm so excited to go see them live, and um, one I don't know one word that I've just kind of associated with this album is I guess cinematic. Like it oh, feels absolutely. like it, it feels like it covers such a wide range of territories. Um, Often in the same track. Yeah, often in the same track. And to me, that's just incredible when you feel like you're going somewhere with every single song. Yeah, it's it's very dreamy. Uh, there's there's a lot of um, a, a lot of just just very very beautiful, very atmospheric. That's that to me is the word that that uh, sums up Blue Sky Black Death is is atmospheric. Uh, they're they're one of the baby. They remind me a lot of DJ Shadow in that in that uh, sense that it's just it's very. Um, it, well, it, it creates uh, a very, a very distinct and uh, changing atmosphere. That's really how they grip you. So, I mean, if people listening out there, uh, definitely check that out. I have not decided on a grade yet. I'm debating between a three and a half or a four. If I were you, I'll go with a four. I mean, we've been talking, we've been making a lot of comparisons to their late night cinema. But, mm-hmm. like, in no way this is, like, Late Night Cinema Part 2. It builds on to it. And Absolutely. Some, yeah, and some of the, like, you know, some of the, um, like, some of the songs, like, Sleeping Children are still flying. That kind of shows how, like, they're still trying to experiment and kind of try to progress and, like, evolve their sound. And, by the way, that that second track, Sleeping Children are still flying, is probably my favorite track off that album. And there was a lot, the whole entire album in itself was really good, but, like, some of the highlights of the album were, like, that second track, the title track, Our Hearts of Ruin, is still is amazing. Sky with Hand. Yeah, Sky with Hand. They're closing. Oh, uh, man. man, that was uh, that's an amazing song. And to me, uh, Golden Gold Out was also a great uh, song. Where the sun beats. I mean, the whole entire album was perfect. And I'm also excited to see these guys live. And these guys are on a tour uh, promoting this album, so it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, uh, does anyone have any, anything else to add to that? Yeah, you guys all suck for going to see that. <laughs> uh, uh, for those for those of you who don't know, Noah goes to Oberlin College in Ohio. Uh, he's from he's from Seattle, which is where uh, uh, I'm I'm based, and he uh, in the summer goes to live shows with us. Uh, they do not. Cleveland have bus... has no music scene whatsoever, and they have no have bus transportation to uh, <laughs> to the main cities in Ohio. So Noah doesn't get to go to concerts. While Tad lives in L.A. and goes to ones that make Matt and I jealous, and Matt and I <laughs> going to a lot of local Seattle shows. Yeah, basically. So oh, Noah, when you, when you come back in the summer, you're going to uh, you're going to come with us and see uh, Devin Townsend. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Rock the Bills. Yeah, Rock the Bills uh, is releasing their lineup this month on May twenty fourth. So de- depending on that, we might go to that one as well. I mean, if the lineup is as good as last year's, you know, with like Wu Tang and uh, did Nas play? I don't think Nas played last year, but Nas yeah, did I not mean, play, but he has played Rock the Bells before. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, like, you know, we, you know, we can leave before the main stage where, you know, Snoop Dogg comes on or something and, you know, we can, like, you know, cut the traffic and, you know, all that stuff. So yeah. it'll be we'll, awesome. We'll see what the lineup is and also where it, where it's playing. Uh, that's kind of the key thing is Rock the Bells plays in different spots every year. Uh, a couple years ago, they came to the Gorge and I wasn't able to go. The Gorge is a venue about a four-hour drive from where, um, from where we live, but... Uh, usually they play in, you know, L.A., New York, kind of the big cities. Mm-hmm. Anything big in terms of news? Um, you know, I haven't really dug for stories this week. Um, the one thing that uh, Taddy said he wanted to talk about was uh, a couple weeks ago, the death of Gerard Smith, bassist for TV oh, on yeah. the radio. Very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. He died of lung cancer on the day of 4:20. So, yeah, don't smoke. Yeah, that that that's what this podcast is all about. It's about, it's it's about not smoking. Yeah, you know all the crap that we talked about before. You know, talk about goblin. That doesn't matter. It this is the message. Well, the uh, Jared Smith was diagnosed with lung cancer on March 14th, and you know, just over a month later, passed away. 36 years old. Yeah. Cancer sucks. Yes, it does. Yeah, and lung cancer especially sucks. Uh, the band has, has canceled a few of their tour dates. Uh, no word yet, I don't believe, on the full tour, but uh, huge loss for really one of the best bands in music right now. Nine Types of Light was an absolutely phenomenal album. I agree. I, th- I think uh, they rescheduled they the Hornter tour. They like canceled five five shows or so, and they uh, rescheduled it. They made like uh, I know they rescheduled the LA tour, LA uh, date definitely. They kind of uh, moved it like you know t- uh, a week later or something, which which kind of sucks because. I was I wanted to go see them, but I had midterms and I ended up not being able to see them. But they moved, they rescheduled their Hunter tour, so I ended up being able to see them. But the tickets were sold out, so you know. Yeah, well, I Noah and I both saw them uh, at the Sasquatch Festival in 2009, where they put on a phenomenal show, and also had their time cut due to a band called the Avett Brothers going way over time. <laughs> happens way too often at Sasquatch, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it, it happens at a lot of indie shows, and I'm not. They just they have sure no, no like the 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 venue doesn't have any discipline. Like they just they don't they just let them go, and you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. You don't do that to TV on the radio, God. I mean, seriously. No, but I mean, what's what's worse is they did it. You know, the year before, uh, the Kooks did it to Stephen Malcolmus and the Jicks. Why would you do that to, like, even more of a legend of that horn tire, you know, Jera? You know, it makes, it makes no sense. And in other genres, you don't see that. There's definitely a different approach to doing shows between, you know, metal, hip-hop, indie, all the different major, or all the different genres that have major festivals. And certainly the indie, indie scene is much more lackadaisical. And you don't see uh, the same, as Noah said, you don't see the same type of discipline that you do in other genres. I mean, you know, like I used to go to OzFest every year before that kind of shut down, and uh, in OzFest, you would never see that. You would never see bands going over their time. No. Uh, so, 
so um, the other the other thing uh, I'd like to talk about before before we end this podcast um, uh, we talked about it a little bit last week in a podcast that didn't end up making um, that, that didn't end up making its way to the interwebs but uh, Dream Theater has a new drummer <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel bad for Mike Portnoy yeah, for those of you who don't know, Mike Portnoy uh, left Dream Theater. Uh, well, actually, I'll take you back a little farther than that. Mike Portnoy, one of the founding members of Dream Theater, phenomenal drummer, uh, was hired as a replacement for Avenged Sevenfold after their drummer passed away. And Portnoy toured with them, recorded on their new album, Nightmare, and decided to leave Dream Theater to go with Avenged Sevenfold full-time. But Avenged Sevenfold then told him that they didn't want him as their full-time drummer. And when Portnoy asked to rejoin Dream Theater, they would let, they would not let him join Dream Theater. So, Portnoy, no idea what he's doing right now. But uh, Mike Mangini, uh, a former session musician, uh, played with Steve Vai, James Labrie, the vocalist of Dream Theater, and uh, bands like Annihilator and Extreme, uh, is featured new... in Berkeley of Music as well. Apparently. Yes, <laughs> yes, that is a, a key point. Very, uh, very technical drummer. Uh, you can see yeah, technical, very well respected. You know, yeah. Yeah, you can see him online. Uh, the Dream Theater has a documentary where they, where they uh, show some of the drummers in the process, and you can see him play there. And he's very talented. Should be a good fit for Dream Theater. Portnoy is is uh, working on a project with uh, Neil Morse, Steve Morse, and Dave Larue, and uh, Casey McPherson. Yes, okay. and and another thing that's interesting, he's also working with on a side project with Russell Allen, which is a singer from Symphony X. Uh, excellent. All, of, all yes. of that, as a prog fan, all of that sounds amazing to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I think, you know, we, we, we won't know until they start releasing material, but I think this this probably will be a good thing for both Dream Theater and Mike Portnoy. Like, Agreed. You know, they were they were kind of just, I feel like they were, they were getting kind of stuck in... They they need things to be shaken up, I think. <laughs> you know. Um yeah, especially with Mike Fortnite being like their main songwriter, their you know, he writes their lyrics and everything and um I think I think it'll it it should end up being good for them. You know. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully. I mean I don't I don't have much hope for Dream Theater anymore. <laughs> but I do I do have hope for these two side projects that uh, you know, that the Portnoy is doing, and especially with the one where he's working with Russell Allen, the, uh, the singer of Symphony X, I'm actually really excited for this one. Um, he's also working with uh, guitarist Mike Orlando, Mike Orlando, who's uh, worked with musicians like Zach Wild. So I mean, it sounds like this. Um, at least this project with Russell Allen is gonna be really exciting in terms of you know, well, you know. And you know another thing is him working with Neil Morse. That's that's really interesting um, because you know Neil Morse is a founding member of Spock's Beard, um, who released a which, very underrated album last year, I might add. Yeah, I mean the, Spock's Beard has always been like one of these one of these few prog bands that I don't think they really rely too much on technical prowess. Um, they they do other things to be progressive, and it's um, it's interesting that they've. This guy, the, the I think he's a keyboardist, um, uh, is going to be working with you know probably one of the most uh, 
celebrated drummers uh, in in the progressive scene. Um, I think that'll be really interesting to see what what he does, what they do with that kind of talent. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's this this lineup is really interesting. I mean, he's working with Neil Morse, Steve Morse, and Dave Dave LaRue, who are very technical and uh, you know. And Steve Morse especially is a really renowned uh, session musician as in terms of, you know, in terms of the whole entire genre, you know, music. And well, he was Deep Purple's drummer, right? Or the drummer, guitarist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now he's a guitarist. He was a guitarist for Deep Purple, but he's also, he's, I think he's mainly known for his uh, band, Steve Morse's, Steve Morse <laughs> band, which is, I think is very technical. And I, I sort of, in terms of instrumental rock thing, I think they're really good. And uh, they're also working with Casey McFer- McPherson, which I, who I've never heard before, but apparently he's like a singer-songwriter. So, like, this is a really interesting uh, I don't know, it's cool that he's brand Combination, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting lineup. Yeah, it'll be, in- it'll be interesting to hear what comes out of that. And as we talked about before, uh, this is really the first time in a while where I at least have interest in a Dream Theater album. They've, <laughs> yeah. kind of, they, yeah. they've made themselves pretty irrelevant releasing the same album over and over again. Um, I mean, uh, I mean uh, we saw them live at a, a opening for Iron Maiden, and they were just that. They were an opening band. They were treated like some local band that had just... Um, you know that that had just been hired a couple days before to play. Yeah, that was that was really weird. Not gonna like, yeah, it just this dream theater, this you know legendary progressive metal band just being totally an opener. You know, they they played for like forty five minutes and it was. Yeah, they started before um before they even said that that the venue was gonna open. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, there was there was no one there. Like we we came fairly early and there was no one there and Dream Theater was just ending their set. It was very, and they had technical problems, and it was, it was, you know, in the middle of the day. I mean, it was very, it was very weird, to say the least. Granted, he was they were opening for Iron Maiden, though. Yeah, that's that's true. But you would expect, you know, Iron Maiden and Dream Theater not necessarily to be a co-headlining tour, but to be a big deal. And it totally was just Iron Maiden, and oh by the way, Dream Theater is gonna is gonna open for them. Yeah, I mean, I totally expected Dream Theater to get a lot longer set, you know, but... And then yeah. to actually have a reaction from the audience. I mean, no one was into their set. No one was even anticipating it. Everyone was just in the beer garden waiting for Iron Maiden. Which is very weird, I mean... Well... Anyway, I don't it's, know. It's, exci- I don't know. It's, it's exciting to, to see that they're, you know, they might... They might uh, change it up a little bit. Change it up, yeah, and... You know, yeah, probably try to cast away that irrelevance. You know, make themselves more because yeah, for a progressive metal band, they really haven't been progressing a whole lot recently. Yeah, well, all right. I think I think we're running short on time, so I'm gonna say uh, if you're listening to the podcast, this is our our first one. So uh, please on soundreader.blogspot.com, please leave a comment. Please uh, give any comments or suggestions that you have, anything you'd like to see us do better in the future, because, again, uh, we're just starting out here and we're kind of just finding our way. So, And if you're listening to this by some other means, please go to soundreader.blogspot.com, check out my reviews, and check out the website. Uh, and if you'd like to send us an email, hear a question on the show, or if you have any questions regarding Soundwriter or any of our panelists, uh, send it to soundwriter1 at gmail.com. That's soundwriter1 at gmail.com. All right, so Tad, Noah, Matt, 
thanks guys for uh, joining joining me today and talking about some music. Hope you guys no had problem. fun. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. All right. So, any anything you guys would like to say before we sign off? Um, uh, <laughs> no. Not really. See you next week. <laughs> All right. <laughs> See you next week, everyone. Thanks for listening.